0: Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Psalms. I have been, uh, you know, liking in these Sunday schools to take some of the things I've been learning in seminary and handing them down to you. Um, Sunday, I gave you guys a lesson from the five warnings of Hebrews, and that was actually a paper that I wrote, and you guys are more than welcome to email me and I can give you the information. Just turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms 1. And uh, another one of my classes has been on Psalms, and one of the greatest things that I learned uh, about the book of Psalms is that you can look at every psalm as a prophecy of Jesus. Now, I've never thought of it this way, and, it, and you may not agree with how I look at it now, but there was a author that I wrote, and that was his basic premise. It was seeing Christ in the Psalms. Now... Let's just talk about the Psalms for a minute so you can understand what we're talking about here. First of all, the book of Psalms is not written by one person. We generally say the book of Psalms is written by David because he wrote the majority of the Psalms. But he is not the only one that wrote in the Psalms. Moses wrote a Psalm or two. Solomon, David's son, also wrote some psalms. There's also psalms written by the priest who worked with David. And there's psalms that came after the people of Israel came back from Babylon. So the brief history of Israel is Israel was brought up through Abraham. Then they were in Egypt, set free, the parting of the Red Sea. Then they lived in their homeland. Then the people of Israel were brought into bondage, conquered by another nation into Babylon. Okay, and we call that the captivity. And then when they came back, they lived in their homeland, but they lived over, uh, with the oppression of a nation. Like a nation was all over them. I look at a lot of my Boricuas here. Like, you know how like America kind of oversees Puerto Rico? That was kind of like how Israel was. They were overseen by the Roman, Roman government. And actually, I know some of the Puerto Ricans want to become independent. Anybody, any revolutions for Puerto Rico? Nobody even cares. A couple of you want to be independent. Praise God. All 20,000 of them will be free. Praise the Lord. I I don't feel either way about it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, thinking of it that way, that's how you could think of Israel. Now, psalms were written all during those times. Uh, I believe even Abraham has a psalm. Moses has a psalm. Like I said, uh, I should mention that. David, Solomon, um, uh, priests who worked with David before and after the exile. Now, the Psalms, now you know, are not written all by one author. They're also not written in a, in a uh, chronological order. So when you see Psalms 1, that does not mean now David sat down, wrote Psalms 1, and then this very next Psalm he wrote was Psalm 2. Psalm 1 could have been written at one point in time, and Psalms 2 could have been written a 100 years later. Now, that's kind of stretching it, but that's kind of the point. Do you understand? So you're not reading like like, like your journal, like your diary. Now, having said some of those fun things, I want you to look at Psalms 1, which is my favorite psalm. This was the first psalm that I ever memorized and the first passage of Scripture that I memorized. And I want to get you to see it now. Christ is the blessed man and how you are in Christ. So today's lesson is the blessed man. Okay? Psalms chapter 1. Everybody say the blessed man. Amen. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, or sit in the seat of the mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he does meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like the chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous." But the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, the first thing that we can get into is all of the things that God says the righteous are, and then all the things that God says the wicked are. And I'm going to get into that. But that's kind of the surface level to it. I want to just open your mind to what I was really blessed by. Think of this now as Jesus. Because has anybody ever lived out the blessed man requirements perfectly? No, because it says right here, he doesn't walk there, he doesn't stand there, and he doesn't sit there, but he always delights in the law of the Lord. Have you and I always delighted in the law of the Lord? No, but the Bible says Jesus always delighted in the law of the Lord. So the first thing that I want you to see here before I get into the do-diddles of the psalm is I want you to start reading the psalms as prophecies and things that are pointing towards Jesus. And that this prophecy is actually saying that there is going to be a blessed man that will follow God's requirements and laws perfectly, and he will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, whose fruit will not wither and it will be uh, leaves in every season. Now go to uh, Zechariah and see how this prophecy is considered to be now about the Messiah called the branch. Specifically looking towards this blessed person being like a tree that bears fruit. If you guys are with me, say amen. Amen. Just hold on if you're not. We'll get into some of the basic things, how it applies to your life in just a moment. But I want you to see that the ultimate blessed man is Jesus. And then by following Jesus, you can be a blessed man or woman. Go to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter the branch, chapter 4. Give me just a moment here, because it says it two places. And I want to find the one that uh, says it the best. Thank you, my brother. And then what is the other passage? Um, I believe it's chapter 6 then. Thank you, sir. That is our Bible scholar in the back, Jared. Okay, wonderful. We'll read both. Chapter 3, verse 8. Listen, O high priest Joshua, your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come. I'm going to bring you my servant, the branch. Everybody say the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone. I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. In that day, each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and fig tree, declares the Lord. The Lord Almighty. Now, look at that. There is now a prophecy about this coming branch who's going to have a fig tree and it's going to be big enough that it's going to provide shade and here people are going to come and dwell under that branch. Well, doesn't that sound like Psalms 1 where it says, There'll be a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit and season its leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. See, there's that branch. Now go on. To uh, We won't say on Zechariah 6, just read it if you have time. But go now to John chapter 15, for the sake of time. And look at it here, John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 8, uh, verse 5 rather, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I am him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me he can do nothing. And so now the vine, or rather the branch, becomes a vine that now has branches. And so it's like he becomes a father, we become his children, then we become fathers and begin to have spiritual children, and we keep bearing fruit. And it's all for the Father's glory. So he is the blessed man. He is the tree planted by the streams of water. He is the one bearing the fruit. We then become engrafted into Him, as Romans says, and we begin to bear fruit. So now, ask yourself this question. Could you be the blessed man of Psalms 1 without the blessed man being Jesus first? You see, you you guys understand this now. You have to be engrafted into Him to be the blessed man. Do you see how now Psalms 1 just took a different meaning? Because right now, if you hand Psalms 1 to somebody, I mean, it's cool. They're going to say, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But how many know they could do all their good works and still be going to hell as a sinner? You know, it's like the man who stands before the judge. He's guilty of murder. And he says, hold on, judge, before you, you before you give me your verdict, I've helped old ladies across the street. I, 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 haven't, done, I haven't murdered all the other people I've met in my whole life. This is my first murder. You know, God, I've taken care of my kids. Do you think all of that man's good works is going to make up for that one hideous crime? No, it can't. That hideous crime is going to be judged by itself on its own. And so the same idea. You could say now, well, now I'm going to start reading my Bible. Now I'm going to stop hanging out with the friends that get me in trouble. Now I'm going to start obeying the Word of God. Okay, you can start doing all that, but what about all the sins you did in the past? Who atones for those? Who washes those? Who cleanses those? You're still a sinner until you're cleansed. And so in actuality, no one can be the blessed man without the blessed man being Jesus. Isn't that exciting? Now go to Romans chapter 6 and see the conclusion of it, and then I'll teach you how to be a blessed man or woman. Amen? If you want to be blessed, somebody say, Blessed! 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 Blessed. Let's sing and say, "Blessed. blessed! Blessed! We are blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. <laughs> Okay that was fine. Romans chapter six. That's how I feel when I try to sing gospel, like it's so not me, but I try. But I like it. I liked it. Okay, look at Romans chapter six. Summing up his point, let's go to chapter. Let's go to chapter 6, rather, verse 8. So you're born a sinner. We know that. That was Romans chapter 3. We've teached that here in this church. Jesus was born perfect from a virgin, lived a sinless life, died so sinners can be saved. Okay? So look at chapter 6, verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought from brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And so it keeps teaching us that we have died to sin, and we live to God. Now, go to chapter 8, verse 9. One thought, the book of Romans is one point, and that is you were born a sinner, Jesus died for your sins, now live holy. Amen? That is the whole point of the book of Romans, if you want to sum it up. Chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, and we've learned that Christ is the blessed man, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through His Spirit who lives in you. Now look at verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Remember Psalms 1, the wicked are not like the blessed man. They will perish, they will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death. Somebody say, put to death. Thank you, the misdeeds of your body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of god now go back to psalms one let's make it applicable somebody say teach it so here's the point the bottom line is you couldn't do what psalms one says unless you had christ and graft you into his vine and make you the blessed man or woman now that you want to be because of his death burial and resurrection you now are blessed and are able to keep god's law because here's the deal if he didn't die for you, your sinful nature would take over every time you would try to do this. And maybe some of you can remember back to your religious days or just back to your days of trying to do good. You'd maybe got addicted to cigarettes and you'd say, You know what? I'm going to quit next week. I'm going to quit. How many said they were going to quit, son, next week? Come on. Maybe it's cigarettes, maybe it was pornography, I'm going to quit next week. And guess what? You tried to do it, but what took over? Your sinful nature. Because you have no power over that sinful nature. So you're trying to be a blessed person, but no matter how hard you try, you just can't do it. It's the same thing with your stinking thinking. You said to yourself, <clears throat> excuse me, well, you know, I'm not going to put myself down anymore. I'm going to love myself, all of myself. I'm not going to just. Put, put myself down and look at my past and judge who I am. Because a lot of people deal with that. Even in here, you deal with self-esteem, and it's an issue. And you said, you know what, I'm going to love myself. And a couple days went on, and then the sinful nature took over, and you started putting yourself down again. Why? Because you couldn't get free from yourself. So what does Jesus do? He comes and He takes our sins. He takes our sorrows. He takes our sicknesses and diseases on the cross. And then now He gives us life. So when you were born again, what happened? The sinful man died and the spirit man became alive. That's what happened. You're born again. How many are born again? Say amen. Aren't you glad today you live by the spirit not by the flesh? You're not living by what you can do. It's not like you're sitting down going, I'm going to live for God today and I'm going to try really hard. Here I go. Ew. Like, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, almost like your constant face. Like, I want to try to quit. I going to be better now. And that's what always makes me upset is when people say, well, you've done so good for yourself. I'm so proud of you. You've just changed yourself. I'm looking at them going, no, baby, you do not know me. I couldn't even change my underwear after I got done drinking. I peed on myself. Listen to me. I needed somebody to change me. I've been changed. Hallelujah. Because I know I've been changed. Woo! That's an old gospel song. I mean, I'm telling you, I know what. God picked me up, hosed me down, cleaned me up, changed my clothes, put some Stacey Adams shoes on me, sprayed some right guard on my arm, put, put on some brute spray, clone, whatever, and sent me on my way. Gave me a fade and a haircut. Hallelujah. Cleaned out my ears. That's what God did for us. He picked us up, cleaned us, saved us, redeemed us. That's the only reason why we're changed now. The only reason why you obey God's commands and are so cute to the world and a mystery to them like, how did that happen? You know, the only reason why that that's the way you look now is because God did that to you. Because you didn't start off saying, I want to be blessed. I'm just going to do all these things and be blessed now. Because every time we tried to do better, we failed. Just like they're trying to do better and be fit, and they failed. So look at now Psalms 1, where's the lesson? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now that we've been saved, now that we've been saved from our own sinful nature, the Spirit of God is in us, what's the first thing He's going to lead us to do? He's going to lead us away from the counsel or advice of wicked people. You see, now that you're a Christian, don't listen to the advice of wicked people. And young people, that doesn't mean if your parents aren't Christian, you can't listen to their advice about school or how to get a job or clean your room. I'm not listening to your mom about cleaning my room because you're not a Christian. Bible tells me not to do that. That's all I have to. No, it doesn't work like that. you still got to obey your parents because that's also a command. And it doesn't say only obey your parents who have halos around their head and love you and go to church or whatever. It says just obey your parents, okay? So the idea here it's talking about is this advice that's for life. So maybe you're at work, you're going through a maybe a marital spout or something, and your habit was to go to your coworker, you know, you know, well, my husband did this last night, oh, he's such a jerk. You see, now you're opening up for that woman to give you advice. Well, you know what I I went in Cucou for a week and let his laundry just lay on his bed and say, "Take that." No, that see, you don't do that. You don't listen to the advice. You get what I'm saying? Our young people, your mom did what? Well, I would go up to your mom and say this, this, and this, and then I would just run away. No, we don't do that. You get what I'm saying? You see, you're not taking your life strategies, your, your plan for life is no longer coming from sinners anymore, from the wicked. It says do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So they're saying like, hey, yeah, take a left here, take a right there, and then, and then you'll find success. You don't listen to those guys anymore. You listen to the Bible. Because the Bible way may seem the total opposite, and it will be to their way. They'll be saying to you as a woman, they'll say, Yeah, throw his clothes on the bed, do all this, and then you know, you'll get your way. But actually actually we're going to destroy your marriage. God's way is serve your husband even more. Do extra things for him and win him over through your servanthood and your acts of love. That's what the Bible says if he's an unbeliever, right? Show him your acts of love. the same thing with young people. You want to win your parents' on The first thing is become obedient. Do well in school. Show them that God has changed your life. Don't rebel and try to stick it to them to prove your point, even if they do have their own issues. Pray for them and love them. You see, what God calls up, the world calls down. They think you're going backwards, but it's actually going forwards. He says if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the servant. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. So the counsel of God is actually opposed and opposite to the counsel of the world. The second thing that he tells you to do is not stand in the way of the sinner. Well, where do sinners stand? Well, start with some of the obvious ones. Sinners stand in bars and clubs. Sinners stand in strip joints. Sinners stand on, uh, you know, corners getting high. Sinners stand in a happy hour after working long days and and, and talk about all their problems. You see, you've got to understand where you stand in life is not where the world stands. Now, does that literally mean you can't walk on the same concrete and ground as they do? No. What it's talking about is what they consider things they stand for. Well, man, come on. I I need a beer. I, I I stand for that. No, you say, I don't stand for that. I stand for prayer. I stand for holiness. You see, I don't stand in the way of a sinner. I stand in the way of Christ. Think about that. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus spend his day off? What would Jesus do Sunday after church? You see, I don't think Jesus has anything wrong with us watching football games, enjoying a movie. I I don't think Jesus is some legalistic, priestly, monk-type person. I believe Jesus probably slapped Peter on the butt, gave him a wet willy, and every now and then messed with him. You know what I'm saying? I just believe they had a camaraderie similar to what I see godly men have camaraderie today. It seems like all godly men have a similar camaraderie. Like, I can be in India, and all of a sudden, like, give Pastor Mitt this awkward hug, and he's like, oh, Pastor, oh, Pastor, you're too much, Pastor, you're too much. But he gets it. You know what I'm saying? It's like people understand the way of godly people. You can be all across the world and people get the godly humor. But the Bible says avoid coarse jesting. Coarse jesting, dirty humor, dirty jokes. Everybody say, get out the way of a sinner. Amen. And then the third thing it says, don't sit in the seat of the mocker. And what does the mocker do? The mocker or the Bible, the King James says, scorner, the King James or uh, the the mocker hears the truth and mocks it and says, oh, I don't need to do that. Come on, that's too much. You see, a mocker could be even in this service today, and they could hear that God wants us to be pure and holy. Maybe something comes up, you know, about, you know, pornography or living pure. And, and the mocker could say, ah, come on, I don't have to do that. So you don't be around those people, you know. For us, discipleship's important in this church. And you could even have a real spiritual deep, oh brother, I, I've been a Christian. Oh, hallelujah. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I don't need to be discipled. Praise the Lord. i got my brother helping me do the mocking right here. <laughs> Think about that. You've heard it before. We've all heard it. Well, you know what? Are you going to follow that? See, somebody's going to say to you in a spiritual tone, ah, you don't need to listen to ish. You don't need to listen to what they're saying. But what are they really doing? They're mocking the church. They're mocking godly counsel. The Bible says don't sit with them. Now look at the illustrations. Walk, stand, and sit. What other positions are there in life? Lay down is a form of sitting. Running is a form of walking. Come on. You're going to be in those three places your entire life. You're either going to be standing sitting or walking every place you go and the bible says you can do it as a blessed man with the blessed man jesus christ now what's the difference between you and them is it says but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night so where do you get your advice from the word of god where do you get the places to be from the word of god I was just talking to a friend the other day that I just met, John Bowman, who comes to the crossover, and he goes to a vineyard church. And I said, you know what? I was at a vineyard conference when I first got saved, and that's why I got called to be a church planner. You know what that was? That was the word of the Lord coming to me. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every nation. Baptize. That word burned so strong in my heart. That's where I'm walking today. I'm not walking in the counsel of the wicked. I'm walking in the counsel of God. When was the last time you prayed and God gave you a word? You see, it's one thing to just read the Word in black and white. It's another thing for it to become colorful and alive into your heart. You see, God may not say in His Word, Okay, Cynthia, today I want you to eat Fruity Loops instead of Lucky Charms. I want you to wear this outfit instead of that outfit. No, but you know what? If you pray, God will say, this will be your husband. When that time comes, He'll say, this will be your husband. And when other men come your way, He'll say, definitely, those are not the men. Amen? That's the Word of the Lord. How many know the Word of the Lord is real and it's active and it's sharp? Amen? And it will cut between your flesh and your soul, your spirit. It will help you discern what is of God and what is of your flesh. So what do you not do? You don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Well, what do you do? You walk in the counsel of the Word of God. What don't you do? You don't stand in the way of the sinner. Well, what do you stand on? The way of the godly. The way of the righteous. You follow the way of the Word of God. You don't sit in the seat of the mocker. You don't sit where people mock God's Word, mock God's ways. But where do you sit? You sit where the Word of God places you. Wherever God says, this is your destiny, this is your place, this is what you do, you sit there. Amen? Amen. And now what is the reward? Praise God. Here it is. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Now that may seem like too lofty of a goal for you, but that's the promise that God gives you. That whenever you follow God's Word, and where you stand, sit, or walk, He will bless all that you do. Blessings don't always come in winning the lottery. doesn't always come with you having everything in your life being perfect, but what it says is you're being fruitful where you are. You may not have the job of your dreams, but where you're planted right now in that job, you have favor and you're growing. You may not be in the place of life where you want to be, but you know right where you are, you're being fruitful. Of course I want a church of ten thousand. We say a church of a hundred thousand. I could be happy with ten right now. But you know what? I'm going to pastor a hundred people and be fruitful today. Why? Because where I'm planted, I'm going to grow if I sit, stand, and walk the way God called me to walk. Amen? And that's the same thing you have to say right now. Maybe some of you are working on relationships with your family, working on relationships with marriage, working on relationships, and you're saying, Okay, I got a long way to go in this relationship we got to build what well, right now you can start being fruitful right now things can begin to change and you can see the manifestation of that because god's desire is that you're fruitful and that what you do prospers how do you know you heard a word from god because it comes to pass god's not going to say let's go preach the gospel out here and win souls and not a soul gets saved okay If he said, if he didn't want us to win souls, he would say that. He would say, go out here like the prophet Jeremiah, get stoned and die, and you're never going to see anybody saved. And we would just say, yes, Lord. Like Isaiah, could you imagine that? That's what he said to Isaiah. He says, you're going to go, you're going to preach, and they're not going to listen, but you're going to go anyway, and they're going to hate you, but you're going to do it for me. And then honestly, you're kind of like, okay, I love you, God, but this is going to be hard. And that's at one time, you know, like Jeremiah wanted to give up. And he said, man, God, I can't keep preaching to people who aren't listening. And he said, I tried to hold in the word of God, but then it became like fire that shot up in my bones and hold it in. So even if that was the case, you'd still be blessed. But that's not the case. God now says, go out and preach the gospel. When souls, the harvest is great. So God's not going to send you out without souls. So how do we know you've heard a word from God? Souls are getting saved. How do we know that you're developing as a, a Christian because your relationships are becoming fruitful? How do we know you're developing a Christian relationship, young people, as you're bearing fruit in your schools? You're getting good grades. Husbands are loving their wives. Wives are loving their uh, husbands. Husbands and wives are loving their children. Their house is in order. You look at a Christian's life, and what do they look like? A blossoming tree with lots of fruit. If we're looking at your tree and you got some withered old apple hanging there, and then all everything else is dead, why is there no fruit? Because we got to check the root the root now is corrupted because of where you're standing where you're walking and where you're sitting something is corrupting you but if you're planted in the word of god sitting in god's word standing on his word and walking in his word you will grow and develop amen and if you work the word it will work for you praise god come on and here's the comparison in closing verse four and i love god because he always teaches you hey you can have it one way or the other But there's no in-between. You can either do it this way and be blessed or this way and be cursed. It says, not so the wicked. They are like the chaff, and the wind blows them away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assemblies of the righteous. So ultimately, if somebody said today, hey, you know what? I want to sit wherever I want to sit. I want to stand wherever I want to stand. I'm going to walk wherever I want to walk. I'm not going to listen to nobody. I'm not going to listen to no preacher. I'm not going to listen to the Bible. Tell me what to do. This ancient book full of myths. You know what the Bible says? At the end of their life, they're going to be like dust. Imagine dust. Right now, if you've ever been to a sawmill, dust in your hand. It's like chaff. Chaff is that soft part of the wheat that falls off. It's a little skin that's on top of the wheat. They would beat it against things and it would fall off. Imagine that being in your hand. And on Judgment Day, God just goes. There it goes. All their millions of dollars, all of their wealth, all of their education. It's gone. Do you think anybody's going to stand before God and brag about their college education? Do you think anybody's going to stand before God and brag about all the new stuff they got their kids for Christmas? Do you think anybody's going to stand before God and brag about all the money they had, all the power, all the fame? The Bible gives it to you in the plainest terms. It says, if you gain the whole world, okay? So let's just not talk about if you became a king, if you had a million dollars, if you were Bill Gates. God's like, let me just make this simple for you. If you had the whole world and you lost your soul, you're still a fool. And everybody is pursuing a piece of the world. Bill Gates, as rich as he is, just a piece. He doesn't even have it all. So if you're a fool, if you trade your soul for the world, how much more is a fool like Bill Gates? And then, then, how much more is a fool, guy working middle class job, making $10 an hour, drinking beer on Sunday, watching the football game, saying, I don't have to go to church. That is a fool's fool. And you know what Mr. T said? We pity the fool. I pity that fool sitting at home today with his beer, drinking it, and watching this game. Nobody's going to get me up for church. That's how they probably sound in Algonquin. (laughs) I'm kidding. I was out in Algonquin the other day. It's country folk out there. That's how they sound. They talk like that. I'm not going to church. Who needs it? But you know what? We all have people in our life that don't maybe have that accent, but that's the way they sound in their heart. And they don't even have the whole world. They're they're trading it for their lazy boy today. Don't do that. Don't be a fool. It all gets blown away. Praise God. Not you, though. You're the righteous. Look what the Bible says. Verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. See, God says He's watching over your ways. He's watching over what you do. He's blessing Jonathan. He's blessing... Chris, he's blessing Ishmael, Lord. He's blessing Jared and Elliot and Leely all the way back from Oakland. Hey, hey. Yeah, she slipped in back there. And then we got Elliot back from Philly. Come on, some college students coming back blessed. Amen. I don't know you all are going to get that excited. Amen, Dylan. I don't think, did they get excited about you and I? I don't know, man. Okay, anyways. So I want you guys to think of this. Why does the Lord watch over us? Well, you might say, well, doesn't God love the whole world? Yes, God loves the whole world. But does God bless the whole world? No, because he only blesses those who do this. Now, he says he gives them rain, and he says he gives them air to breathe. And in that one sense, he gives them provisional blessings. But he doesn't give them spiritual blessings. Why does he give us spiritual blessings? Are we any better than that person today who is sitting drinking beer? Are we any better than them? No. Could we have earned it any better? Did I run a faster marathon race than them? Did I lift more spiritual weights than them? No. The only difference is I came to the blessed man, the one who did it for us. I came to the one who did it for me, Jesus. And I said, Lord, you took my punishment so that I might have your life. Today I choose your life. Now the Father says, I watch over you like one of my own. I watch over you like I do Jesus. That's why Jesus said, "When I go to the Father, I'll talk to him for you. So whatever you ask in my name, he'll do." And you could almost imagine the disciples catching this like, "Hold on. You mean Jesus, the way you talk to the Father, you're going to do that for us? So the way you saw miracles, I can see miracles? Yes. Jesus, the way you changed people's lives, we can do that? Jesus, the way you lived without sin and fought temptation and the devil ran away from you, I can do that? Yes. I'm going to the Father so you can have that same place because I'm going to be there. And whatever you ask in my name, he's going to do for you. Why? Because Jesus was otherwise saying, I'm the blessed man. I made a way for you. And that's what I believe today we needed to see in this psalm. is not just don't do this, but do this. No, it's Jesus did this so we could do this. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Would you all stand up with me, please, as Leilani comes to the uh, keyboard? Sunday school is a good time. Amen. Did you have fun? It's like the pregame. Praise God. Five of you. For you guys. For you. All for you. For him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that, Lord, you are the blessed man, the ultimate blessed man. That none of us could have done this on our own, but You did it for us. You forgave us. You redeemed us. You bought us with a price, Your own blood, so that we could become blessed. Lord, I pray today that we will let that soak into our spirits and follow Your Word now, not in our own strength, but by the strength of the Spirit. Right now, would You just raise up Your hands and just say, Lord, I thank You for the cross that provided an atonement for me. Thank You, Lord. Gracias, Señor, for la cruz. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank You and worship You. Lamb of God, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and power and splendor. Hallelujah. Now with that heart of worship, just begin to say to the Lord, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the paths of everlasting life. Come on, another psalm says it just like that, friends. It says, search me and know me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the paths of everlasting life. Oh God, you know our hearts. Some of you today might be living on bad advice. Come on, ask God to root it out today. Ask Him to expose it to you. Some of you might got advice from your family. Come on, you'll never marry a godly person. You should marry that old boyfriend. You know, you should be with him. Come on, maybe you're living on bad advice as young people. Come on, you'll never be a preacher. You're supposed to grow up and be a fireman. Why do you want to do that? Come on, get rid of that bad advice. Just say, "Lord, cleanse me from it. Let him let him expose it to you." Come on, you want to live by godly advice. Come on, as God is searching your heart, maybe some of you right now are in the way of a sinner. You're just doing something like a sinner would do it. Maybe you're not tithing because you're trying to save money like a sinner. Don't be like a sinner. Don't follow their ways. Be a giver. God will bless you. Maybe right now some of you are compromising. you got one foot in the world, one foot with God. You're following the way of sinners. Some people told you, don't get so religious. Come on, just do a little bit. Just go on Sunday and then come out with us on Friday. Come on, ask the Lord to cleanse you of any evil ways, any way that is not His way. And come on, is there anybody in your life, or is there any attitude that you have right now that's mocking towards what God is doing, mocking authority? Come on, let God search your heart. Are you being discipled? Are you being accountable? Or do you kind of mock at it? No, you know, I don't need to call up so-and-so and and tell them how I did this week. That's none of their business. God knows. Come on. I want this church to be a blessed church, but we got to follow the ways of the blessed man, Jesus. Come on, a few moments right now of just private prayer and reflection. Just talk to the Lord right now. Let every person here search their heart. Oh, Rabba King, Just to end by singing an old worship song that I used to sing going to church as a young person that just reminds me of the blessed man Jesus and I want us just to sing it that heart today of holiness that heart of change today and if someone could grab a pick and just give it to me I'd appreciate that Hallelujah Jesus Jesus Come on, that's who we're singing about today, Jesus. Jesus Jesus. Jesus. Risen and exalted one. worship Him. Come on.